In Matthew chapter 15, uh, this morning we are going to look at uh, a couple of different uh, scenes uh, from the ministry of Jesus. If you'd uh, stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you starting at verse 21. <clears throat> says this, and Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And, and behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her, her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbles that fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith, but it. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus went on from there and he walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and sat down. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered, when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and I've had nothing to eat. I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are you going to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish. Having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. They took up the seven baskets full of broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went into the region of Magadan. God, I ask your blessing on this time. Help us to understand the person of Jesus, that we might be drawn to him this morning. God, help us to uh, guard our heart from error or from holding back from you. God, do your work in us now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In verse 21, we see Jesus uh, leaving and going to a different area, and a Canaanite mom came. A Canaanite mom came on behalf of her daughter. Uh, When do you become a mom and when does that end? When do you no longer have a heart for your children? 
Well, what does it do to a mama's heart when they see their child struggling with anything? With anything. Uh, mom's hearts break. And so we, we pick up the scene where Jesus, uh, he had gone to a new area, a different area. And this Canaanite woman came, uh, who was from that vicinity, came crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. I think that's interesting that she says, have mercy on me because of my daughter. You know that feeling, some of you moms right here today. Have mercy on me. I'm struggling with what it is to be a mom, to be uh, someone, the the decisions and the things that are uh, ailing my child. It's a Canaanite woman, and the Canaanite uh, piece there tells us that she is not part of God's people, the Jews. In fact, the Canaanites uh, are best known uh, to be the inhabitants of the promised land prior to God's people showing up, and God told them to drive the Canaanites out. And so you, you see this woman identified as a Canaanite mom, but how she comes, she's crying out to Jesus, acknowledging Him to be Lord, acknowledging to Him to be the one connected to being the son of David, the one that is the Messiah. And she cries on behalf of her daughter. She's she's burdened by her daughter. And what's wrong with her daughter? It says her daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. We have no uh, more description than that, but you can imagine. She's up to her eyeballs in sin, and the oppression of the enemy is over her and has marked her. And as as this mom considers her daughter, she comes to Jesus and cries out to him. It says that the disciples, as they heard her, and this idea of crying out was not just, hey, can I get some help over here? It is the weeping and wailing and, and, and calling out and crying out in a loud voice relentlessly of a mom to Jesus and his disciples. And the disciples are annoyed, you can tell. And as they uh, think of them, they know who Jesus is. The disciples have been with Jesus all along. They've seen him uh, do this before, this idea of healing someone from demon possession. And so they know Jesus can do something about it, but they keep hearing this woman and they're going, Jesus, uh, take care of her and send her away. We don't want this woman with us. She's she's too much. Um, no one here in this church is like this. Uh, too much. No, uh, but the disciples are, are going, this woman's just too much. Get her out of here. And as uh, Jesus hears this, you, you look down at verse um, 30, uh, 24, I'm sorry, 20, 24. He says this, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus, as he re, uh, interacts with his disciples, he says, I came for God's people, the Jews, and this woman is not a Jew. I know that's bothersome to us right now. It says, Jesus only came for the Jews. That's all he came for. It was meant to be God's display on his people that the Messiah would come and gather the people that have been waiting for Messiah to himself. It's true. So the Bible teaches. And yet you see this passage, this woman who's definitely outside, definitely outside of God's people. 
Jesus says, I came for the house of Israel. And the woman hearing this, in verse 25, it says, The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me. This is not just a a cry to the crowd, the disciples and Jesus. It's a cry to Jesus himself. Acknowledging him as Lord again. She says, Lord, help me. In verse 26, he replied, Is it not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs? He, he, he gives us a powerful picture here. When, when you are feeding your family and you don't have much, what's your first priority? The children. The children. And if you don't eat or the, the neighbors down the road or the people outside or the poor people, your first priority is your children. And Jesus is talking about the issue of priority. And he says, look, my feeding, my taking care of is for my children. And that which comes outside and he referred to as dogs even. And you say, that sounds harsh. Look at what the Canaanite people were, how they acted towards God. What they did in their own worship, their worship was self-indulgent and repulsive. It was, uh, it was awful in so many different regards. And part of God's judgment was on people who, of wickedness. And so Jesus points to this. The, the food is for those children around the table. But the woman replied uh, in verse 27, yes, It is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. You get this picture that, uh, as always, Jesus knows what he's saying. He knows what he's teaching. He knows where he's leading the conversation that all might know. Jesus is saying, I came for the Jews. I came for the Jews. And this Canaanite woman is outside of the Jews. She is not part of us. Okay, and then Jesus in compassion, in his heart of compassion, this is what he does. He acknowledges that others can come. He acknowledges that those outside of his people can come. He has plenty. He has plenty. And the woman knew this. She knew that he was the one to go to. She knew that he was the Lord. She knew that he was the Messiah. She knew that he was the place that she needed to cry out to. He, he was the place to go. She had probably gone other places and found herself empty. She had probably gone to other people who, who weren't help, able to help her daughter. And hearing of Jesus, she, she must have connected the dots that he was the one that could help his daughter, her daughter. And so she comes and she comes to Jesus. She has not turned around. She is not one to be discouraged, but she knows Jesus is the one. And Jesus responds to her in verse 28. Then Jesus said, woman, you have great faith. You have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Beautiful picture. By the way, moms, dads too. That's the way to pray. That's the way to cry out to Jesus on behalf of your children. Uh, This lady probably didn't look very smooth and professional. 
as she approached these disciples of Jesus. She, she wasn't one that was to be quieted in this deal. She cried out to Jesus. And Jesus uh, healed her daughter. This is the way to approach Jesus in regards to our children. And Jesus had compassion for a Canaanite mom. We move down in the passage to verse 29. And it says that, once again, Jesus moves. He, he was in this place of Tyre and uh, Sidon, and He moves again. Jesus left there and, and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then He went up to the mountainside and sat down. And, and you see this, Him sitting down, and the great crowds came. And, and it was like, uh, I picture an assemb- uh, a line of people that just lined up. It probably was a lot uh, more disorganized than that. I think that we always... Americans, we like lines. We like everyone to be in a line. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that it was like that. The crowds came in. And what happened was they brought the afflicted ones to him. And, and he was healing them. He wasn't just healing one or two. It, it, it gets this picture that it's a crowd of people. And, and what does Jesus do? He heals them. You look down at verse 31. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Why? Because Jesus was the fulfillment of the Father. And as He came, they saw that Jesus was the one. They they acknowledged that this was the work of God in their midst. And guess what? Jesus, uh, that moment in time, he was extending compassion to the sick. Compassion. It, I, I use the word compassion. You're going to see it in the um, in the next section here. But what it is, it, it's the idea that Jesus has a heart for these people in their problems today, in what's going on in their life. You have a a woman with her daughter. It, and you know that when your heart's breaking for your children, uh, what day of the week does that happen? Only the days that end in Y, right? Uh, only your waking hours, and sometimes that's at night, right? Your heart is always... And, and he had compassion on that mom. He had compassion on these sick. Why? When you're sick, it's something that... that slows you down. It causes you, you know, if your knee hurts, it causes you to limp and it, it, it makes you agitated. And Jesus, he had showed them compassion. I want to tell you that these people died, all of them. But in the moment in time, he was showing compassion. He was showing himself to be the compassionate king as he extended compassion to these people as they come came with all their different ailments. He was compassionate on the sick. And then you look down at verse 32. Jesus called his disciples to him and said this. He said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. That's just bad planning, right? I mean, you say, well, if they didn't think ahead, they, they should go hungry and it'll teach them. It'll teach them. Uh, it's interesting in biblical times, um, and some of you know this now. Uh, you're part of those families where you go down to Bakersfield, and you got to take snacks for the trip, right? You, 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 you're always like uh, you, you have like a, um, 
uh, a pack in your car in case you, you know, you're out on the road for 20 days and you're stuck there and you have no contact with people in case. You're like, it's never going to happen. I'm telling you, you have cell phone with emergency. Like, you've got every, there's no way. I'm so scared of dying of starvation. I think most of us are okay, okay? I just want to tell you. But uh, this is would have been true uh, in a much greater degree in biblical times. They didn't have the AM, PM. They didn't have the, the gas station with little sandwiches and stuff like that. They, they had to think ahead. And so people had food, but they didn't have food for three days. And the picture here is this, that Jesus knew that their food supply had run out and that they were still with them. And he was compassionate. He, he didn't say, it's your own fault. It's your own doing. Figure it out. But he has compassion on them. And that word's used, compassion. I have pity on them. I, I, I'm, I'm concerned about their needs, even the temporal ones. The idea that they might faint on the way home. Most of us say, oh, they'll be fine. I've done it before. Gone without food. But Jesus shows his heart of compassion. Them being three days and they'd run out of food. He was concerned that they might even collapse. You look at this section and it, you realize that it's a, a miracle that he's already done before. And the disciples had seen it. And I always get frustrated with the disciples. But you know what? Uh, I should be just frustrated with myself. Jesus had seen this type of uh, Jesus had done this type of miracle before. He had fed the 5,000, right? There were less here this time, by the way. Uh, there were less, you know, as they looked around. Not as many as last time, but... And and Jesus calls out to his disciples and says, what are we going to do? They had, they had all kinds of great answers they could have answered at that time. They could have said basically anything other than it can't be done. But their answer, tell them to go away. Uh, that's Jesus, that's the disciples. That That was one of their... I guess it was one of their favorite answers. Tell that lady who's crying, tell her to go away. <laughs> tell these people who are hungry, tell them to go away. Uh, this is uh, our answer. We can't deal with this. We can't do it. If you look, um, if you look at this passage, the disciples realize that they don't have the resources. And by the way, that, that, that happens all the time. As followers of Christ, we look at the mountain in front of us and we realize what it's going to take and we go, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what the future holds. I don't see how this could happen. And yet we're in front of the mountain. We're in front of what Jesus has placed before us. But they took what they had. Uh, they, they had these seven loaves and a few fish this typical meal that we talked about before. And verse 35, it says, He told the crowd to sit down on the ground, and then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And they turned, and then it turned to the people. They ate and were satisfied. Once again, Jesus does it. Once again, he takes the the small, the, the insignificant, and he makes it enough. Not just enough, but to be satisfied. 
Not to just be satisfied, but actually, if you read on, it says there were leftovers. There were leftovers. Uh, in our household, it doesn't see, you know, it doesn't matter how much we make, there just aren't leftovers. I don't know why that happens, but there's very few leftovers. And Jesus points again and he says, even out of nothing, insignificant, I make enough. I don't just make enough. I, I have enough to be satisfied, to be satisfied. But not just that, even more, even more, more than you can imagine. This is the principle of Jesus. Jesus, and I want to tell you, Jesus has compassion on the hungry on the hungry, they got hungry again. You know what? The next day, maybe for some of them, if you're like some of us here, next couple hours, you know, they were like, man, I'm hungry again. But Jesus provided for me. He provided for me. And even in a way that was so temporary, but it was just a heart of compassion. I want to tie this up for us this morning. Uh, just, um, just with, Three points that kind of connect together. First of all, this. Jesus is wanting to teach about himself. I want you to get this as, as an overarching theme in the scripture. This isn't just about stories and stuff. It's about Jesus. And so as we look at a passage like this, we say, what is Jesus teaching us about himself? And this is the first thing that I... Jesus has compassion for the desperate, the hurting, and the hungry. Jesus has compassion on the desperate, the hurting, and the hungry. If you see someone who's a mess, you should say, I got the answer. Jesus is the one who's compassionate for that kind of person. Jesus shows us in his word that that's who he extends the hand to. These are the ones that get marked that he had helped. So Jesus has compassion for the desperate, the hurting, and the hungry. Second thing I want to share with you is this, and it connects. This is good news for you who are needy. This is good news. Connect the dots. Some of you say, well, I kind of feel like that mom. I, kind of, I got all kinds of ailments. I feel like those people that came. I, I you know, I, my problems, they may seem insignificant just as a meal was, but I got those kind of things too. And as you see that, I want to tell you good news. Jesus is the one. He is the one that, that, that meets your needs, that can be the one. This is a great connection for you. When you find yourself in need, you should say, yes, this is good. Because I know the answer to this. It's a relationship with Jesus. He's the king that I need. And then the last one is kind of a, a warning. Life is not meant to be DIY. Do it yourself. Some of you are so proud of your do-it-yourself projects. You, you, you bought a kit at Home Depot. You watched a, a video online. You know, the lady with the heels that's, you know, putting in a, master fireplace and stuff like that or hair's perfect and boom there it is and you too can do this um and and some of you say man i got skills i can figure it out i'm so smart I, i i've figured out all kinds of things and then uh 
you finish your do-it-yourself project and your wife has the gall to take the pictures and put it on Pinterest and brag about the hubsy and all that stuff, okay? Uh, I, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, that may be good for fixing your home. It is not good for fixing your life. It is not good. Jesus never intended for us to be the ones to fix our life. Jesus intended to be the source the king, the one, the healer, the one. He is the one. He is the one. And I, I want to tell you, if you say, no, I'm kind of a do-it-yourselfer, uh, you're going to be messing things up right and left. Have any of you ever messed up a do-it-yourself project? You tried to fix your car, and then you had to go and confess your sins to your mechanic and say, uh, I don't know what's wrong with it. Uh, why is it like this? I tried to fix it myself. Well, why'd you do that? Where's this? I don't, I honestly, just, could you fix it, please? We come to Jesus and we come with our mess. We come with the things that we have tried on our own and we come to Jesus needing him. We need him. This morning, I don't know where you're at with the Lord, but... Um, I'd venture to say uh, you're needing him today. You're needing him. Please join with me in prayer. God, thank you for this morning, the blessing of uh, hearing from your word, singing songs, and now uh, celebrating what Christ has done on our behalf. God, help us to see, help us to acknowledge uh, in the big and the small that we need Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I'd ask that the men would come forward as we celebrate the Lord's table and communion. Um, I can't help connect this in my own mind that uh, we celebrate uh, this weekend. We celebrate freedom, freedom. And I want to tell you um, that the freedom that this country enjoys um, is nothing compared to to what we can have in Christ. Our sins have chased us. We've done them willfully. We've slipped into some and we've dove into others. And, and our sins just mark us and they, they dog our feet and they, they trip us up and they chase after us and we go, how do we break free? I want to tell you, it's through Jesus to know that each one of those sins have been covered and that, that He will grant you victory as you walk with Him. As He saves you from those sins, He will pull you out of them. I want to tell you, this is what we celebrate today. That Jesus is the one that saves us from our sins. That did the work that we could not do. That we might have freedom in Him. This is what we celebrate today. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, we thank you for coming here today. Thank you for listening. I'd love to talk to you afterward. If you'd like to take that step to have your sins forgiven in Christ. If you are a believer in Jesus here today, you're welcome to share in this time. You're welcome to celebrate what Christ has done on your behalf. To connect your life today with your constant need for Him. We'll take these moments to reflect and then we'll all partake together as we worship the Lord and remember what he has done on our behalf.
he shared a meal with them. And at that meal, after giving thanks, he took the bread and broke it and he explained to them that this was his body broken for them. They were called to remember him in this way. We do this this morning, remembering the body of our Lord.